we're going to talk to you about restoration. And um, some people have a, a strange kind of view of restoration in that they would say, I don't need to be restored. But how many of you need to go to sleep at least once every 24 hours? Restoration is part of life. I want you to remain standing just for a few moments. And I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 58. I'm just going to read a few verses from verse 9. And this is what the Lord says. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. Somebody say amen. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and the malicious talk, then he's going to show up. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and He will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden. Lift your hand with me and say, pour it on, Lord. Come on, pour it on me, Lord. I want to be a well-watered garden. Like a spring whose waters never fail. And this is the verse I want to focus on. Your people will rebuild ancient ruins and you will rise up age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. How many of you got some walls broken down? Restorer of streets with dwellings. As you take your seat, just tell somebody next to you, be restored. Come on, take your seat, will you? Well, it's so nice to have everybody here today. God bless your worship team. What a great uh, leading you do for us. I've met people today from Switzerland, from France, from Ghana, all over the world. It's great to have you with us today. I want you to imagine today when we talk about restoration, would you imagine just a couple of things with me? Imagine that you've been on a really long walk. A little last year, Kathy and I went up to Derbyshire. We were going to walk Mantor, which is a famous walk up there. We didn't get to do that, but we walked around the Derwent Reservoir. Whoo! That was longer than we thought. And when we got to the end of it, we had a nice cup of tea and a sit down. And, you know, it, it was nice. And it was refreshing to be restored after we've given out so much. How about you sometimes when you're at work and you've got a main thing to do, but you know what happens? All the stuff comes in, doesn't it? All the little bits that you want to get to this main thing, and then there's all those little bits, isn't there, that come in. So you do all the little bits, and then you're just about to do the main thing, and then some other little bits come in. Has that ever happened to you? You know, like, it's like me going grocery shopping with Kathy. She wants to get on with the list, and I'm going, ooh, what about that? What about that? What about that? And she's saying, let's stick to the list. 
Restoration's a bit like that, that you get to the main thing. It just makes you feel better. You see, this is how restoration makes you feel. We often don't think that we need to be restored, but it's actually a normal thing. We all need sleep and recuperation. We all need a little bit of time where we receive. In fact, you see, the goal of these early messages in the year is to encourage you. It's actually been to strengthen you. So some people want to talk about, well, we're going to do all this this year, and we will do great things. But I wanted to say that, first of all, the foundation of this year, you are blessed. You, and that's not a swinging in the hammock, doing nothing. You're blessed. It's from a solid foundation. We will talk about and map out discipleship a little bit more. And I will deepen our teaching on rooted, growing, fruitful. That's God's pathway for you, to be rooted in him, to be growing in him, and to be fruitful for him. And in February, I'm going to talk about how to abide in Christ uh, and deeply and we will enjoy reaching out with J. John. But, but actually, can we, can we just call it the way it is? Society-wise, we, it's, it's like we're in constant trauma. We, we've had a difficult last four years, haven't we? Let's all just call it the way it is. I mean, COVID was tough. I, I lost two really close friends in COVID. I mean, men who were closer to me than my natural brothers are. It was tough. It was difficult. And it's difficult for you, too. Let's, let's face it that we, we've been through a difficult season. The cultural moment is that it's one thing after another. How many of you enjoy turning the news on? And how many of you kind of think, what, what now? Well, we have another war, another leader, another prime minister, another this, another... It's like, it's like a, a trauma is constant. And I think we need to learn to receive. Not that we won't do anything, but we need to learn to receive. So I wonder today whether you will be humble enough to say, you know what, I could do with a little bit of restoration, Pastor Mark. I could do with something put into my life and some strength. You know, Isaiah 58, verse 11, he says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. How many of you feel like you need your emotional frame to be strengthened? Your mental frame to be strengthened? Your physical frame to be strengthened? How many would, would agree with me that we could all do with a little bit of strengthening from the Lord today? Can I hear an amen, church? Now, we're not having a pity party, but we are just accepting the fact we have been through some stuff, haven't we? We need a little bit of restoration. And there'll be some people who will be denying that, saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm really okay, I'm really, really fine, I'm really, really fine, can somebody help me, please? And it does get like that. And the Bible says you'll be like a well-watered garden and a spring whose waters never fail. 
You see, we do need to receive, but restoration happens under the backdrop of of two things that go on all the time. The, the, the first thing is, is that life changes. You know when we say, oh, I'd like just to stop the world and get off, and the world never stops. The new cycle never stops. And of course, we can have retreats and shut ourselves away, but it's all there when we get back. And that the seasons and cycles of change never stop, do they? And people uh, change things that we've done. You know, Kathy and I, we, we owned a house in Hitchin in Hertfordshire and uh, in Poplar Close there. I won't give you the number. Mind you, I don't live there any longer, so it's no danger to me. Uh, but uh, we, we had this, I got this philosophy about decorating. We wanted to make our house special, and it was about us. And, and actually, we didn't really care whether you liked it or not, because we had to live there every day. Now, our two daughters, they had to live there too, and sometimes they had a question about my decoration. But I had this thing about sun, sea, and sand. Every time you come home, it's like being at the beach. So our hallway was bright yellow, and I had a red carpet down the stairs because my bride was going to get out of bed and walk down a red carpet into a day every year, every day. You know, it's got this real thing, so it was red. You know, as soon as you walk through the front door, whoa, it's red, whoa, it's yellow. You know, it's like sunshine, it's great. And you go in our kitchen, it was sky blue. And you know, when we're making our food, we look up and we say, ah, oh, it's just, you know, we're not working, we're enjoying the sky. You know, it was a real philosophy behind the decoration, you know. And then, and then in our living room, it was sand, it was bright orange. Wow. Wow. It was like, you know, we had a fireplace and I'd sanded the floor down. It was gorgeous, you know. It's a bit better than this wooden floor. We need to do something with this. Anyway, you know, I'd sanded it down. It really looked great. And we'd sit there in orange. Anyway, we got to sell that house. And across the road from my house was one of our church members. And the day after we uh, sold the house, we happened to have to see the church members. And we, and you know, you, you know, I looked across at our house and they didn't have the curtains up yet. They were decorating. They were changing the whole thing. And they were painting it magnolia. Change happens all the time even when you think you've done something precious. And you see, one of the things you've got to learn to receive in the midst of all this change. You've got to learn to find that place in God that even if somebody changes your artistic, wonderful thing, that God, you can still receive. The other thing, the other backdrop that happens is that is this whole, what I think is the largest word in the English language. There's the if factor. If, and how you respond. Rudyard Kipling, our 
one of the most famous poets in 1895 wrote this, and it's like the nation's poem almost. It said, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, not deal in lies, or being hated and don't give way to hating, and uh, yet don't look too good and not talk too wise, if you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make your thoughts your aim, if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. And he goes on and says lots of other things, but there's the if factor in your life. If you respond, then this will happen. My friend Paul McGee, who's written a book called Sumo, uh, it, it stands for shut up and move on. It's a, it's a bestseller. In fact, he says stop, understand, and move on. He makes it a bit more kind. But it's a bestseller on Amazon. You can look it up. But uh, Paul has a formula in his book. It's called E plus R equals O. Or event plus your response equals what the outcome will be. The if factor is really important if you're going to receive restoration. If I respond this way, it's true and same in this passage too. That Isaiah has, hey, you can be a well-watered garden, but did you notice there are lots of if in that passage? And it would be important for us to make sure that we just highlight those. It's true that the Isaiah passage, we don't get the blessings, we don't get the restoration until we've been through the if phase. If we stop oppressing, if we stop maliciously talking, if we notice that there is a Sabbath and have proper worship to God, then restoration comes. You see, Seasons of change and our responses will bring the depth of change and help us to be restored. I wonder if today you could just be a little bit open to restoration. Let me give you four roadways to restoration that will help us as a group and help us as at the start of this year. Roadways to restoration. Let's focus in on verse 12. Let me remind you of it. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will rise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. Roadway to restoration one is this. Number one, rebuild your healthy input. Rebuild your ancient ruins. Make sure that who's speaking into your life, what you're receiving is healthy. If you're going to receive more restoration, we've all got to get back to healthiness. You know, over Christmas, I just want to confess to you, just want to say that perhaps didn't eat the healthiest. But there's got to be a restoration of healthy eating now. Who's with me? <laughs> I just need to finish off the Christmas chocolate, though, don't you? Just got a bit of an overflow. It would go to waste. It's hard. Once you're out of receiving healthily, it's hard to get back into health, isn't it? 
Once you've got used to listening to that person with the strong opinion, it's hard to block them out of your life. In the context of what Isaiah was saying, they had to rebuild their cities after being in captivity, and they had to rebuild the temple. How many of you know that you're the temple? That actually this rebuilding of worship, rebuilding of sacrifice, rebuilding of receiving presence. Paul, the apostle, put it this way, and he talks to us as a group in chapter 3 of Corinthians, chapter chapter 3, verse 16, he says, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple? You see, we have a name over our door, it's called Kensington Temple, but this building isn't the temple, you're the temple. We're the temple. We're the place where God dwells by his spirit. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you're the temple. You are the temple. Come on, let's say it out loud. We are the temple. We're the temple. I mean, come on, join in today because it's January and you've been sad for three weeks. We're going to lift you now. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Right in the middle there. Right here, everywhere. God dwells as in our midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, this is why I have to be really careful about the church and our big opinions about it. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Whew, that's a bit strong, isn't it? And God, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. So God reminds us that we need healthy input into our lives, that we're the temple. We are where his spirit dwells. Why would you compromise that? And then Paul actually makes it individual in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? This is a temple. It might need a little bit of renovation and a bit of sculpting around the middle, but it's still a temple. Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. He goes on to remind us we were bought with a price. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Who are you agreeing with to bring false input into your life? If we're going to receive a roadway to restoration, we have to understand that we have to restore healthy input and good input into our lives. Now, of course, this means the Word of God, but we ourselves, both individually and collectively, because we are the temple of God, we have to get the balance of two important things going on when we think about input. Uh, We have to say to ourselves, let me ask you the primary school question. When I was a primary school teacher, we always used to have the question, if everybody does that, what do you think will happen? Or if you keep doing that, where will that take you? You know, you get little Johnny, you know, he'd, uh, if you're named Johnny, this isn't you I'm talking about. You get little Johnny, you know, and you just drop, drop litter on the playground. And we'd, when as teachers, we would say, now, Johnny, if everybody does that, how will our school be? Or, Johnny, if you keep talking in class, what will that be? It's the primary school question. But actually, it's an adult question. If you keep receiving what you're receiving, where will it take you? 
If you keep in that unhealth, what will happen? And you've always got to balance your input with, with the kind of the individual and the, the many. We have to balance our input from the effect of one on the many. There's always an interchange on this. We have to always consider if the input uh, to the one is harming the many. Sometimes in your family, you will, you will emphasize one of your children because that's what the need is there for a while. So for a little while, you might emphasize the one or do something special special with somebody, but you can't do that all the time. You've got to come back to, well, we're all a family. And so we have to make sure that we have good input to the one, but also the Bible asks us, can we be a family? And even though you might have all the reasons why you need your input that you have, remember that we're a family. Remember that we have to be together. So healthy input always has the question, if you keep going this way, where will you end up? And how does this affect the many, even though maybe for you right now, that's the right thing? You can have another roadway to restoration. Roadway two is if you restore your foundations. In fact, in verse 12, it says, raise up age-old foundations. And we could say a lot about this, but I want to remind you that our foundation is Christ and our close connection to Christ. I'm going to talk in February about how to abide in Christ. But can I say to you that Christ is enough? I wonder what you've been laying in his place. Whether, you know, with all the busyness of the new year and Christmas and all the rest of it, whether we just now need to clear the decks and say, Christ is my foundation. And what he says is my foundation. And I'm actually confident that the gospel still works and is still enough. You see, it's a bit of a faith step for us to go 10 weeks of trying to reach out on Wednesday nights. I believe the gospel is enough for people. And I believe it still works. You see, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read with me if you've got your Bibles and from verse 10. It says, By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is now building on it. Somebody always does that. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is enough. He really has everything that you need. And I know that we've got lots of clever plans and things about psychology and all the rest of it, but can I strip those away and say, Christ is enough. He's our foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work if what has been built survives and the builder receives a reward. Can I still say to you that I still believe that Christ is the Savior? I think Christ is the healer. I think Christ is the baptizer. And you know what? I believe Christ is the soon coming king. And that's enough for me. It's enough. Let's keep that foundation in our church, in our teaching, in our lives, that we have a close connection with Christ. 
because he's the one that we want to be strong to. Not this doctrine, that doctrine, let's just sweep away and say, I'm standing on Jesus. Amen? Come on, church. He so loves you. He really loves you. He really does. We love him, don't we? He's so lovely. I used to work with an assistant head teacher who was a youth leader called Debbie Bulldog. And Debbie used to say that her mother was Welsh. And she said, oh, he's so lovely. Oh, Jesus, he's so lovely. Oh, look what they did to him on the cross. How could they do that? Which is so muddy, so lovely. You know, Jesus is so lovely. He's very gentle towards you. When he looks at you, he loves you so much. If you don't know him today, please, some of your opinions, just bring them a bit lower and open your heart to somebody who really loves you. Roadway number three. Uh, roadway to restoration. You need to draw your boundaries again. It says, you will be called repairer of broken walls. Things that should have kept some things out have fallen down and they're coming in. Now, I believe we've got to be bridge builders. We've got to be people who build bridges to people. Uh, J. John said that the person who led him to the Lord, Andy Economides, he, he built a bridge to him and Jesus walked over it. And he saved him. And we've got to be bridge builders. We don't want to be people who are hiding from people. But as far as our identity and uh, our protection is concerned, I wonder if you have let go some of your boundaries. Restoration comes when we redraw the boundaries that are healthy for our lives. We need protection from the invasion of false things. You know, the book of Hebrews tells it this way. It says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. The, you know, the Bible tells us that there are some things that are good for us, some things are not good for us. Draw a line. We love everybody, don't we? I mean, the thin, the tall, the small, whatever color they are, we love everybody. But I want to draw you a boundary. And no matter, we, we accept everybody today. But the boundary of the word of God is, is that marriage is between a man and a woman. And in this church, we draw that boundary. Now, it, it doesn't mean, that does not mean that we don't accept some people who have some other orientations and we love them and we care for them and we say that we, we want you to be a part of us. But marriage is between a man and a woman. And that's what we believe. And that's our boundary. That doesn't mean say we don't love you. That doesn't mean say we're bigoted. That doesn't mean say we're small-minded. It means that we've drawn a boundary that protects us and it loves you. Amen, Amen church? Amen. Come on, somebody give him a hand clap of praise. But I just wonder if you've let some of your boundaries go that you used to really draw strongly. That because of some people getting at you at work, you've dumbed down some of your boundaries. Don't be obstropolous, don't be rude, don't be unkind to people, but boundaries protect us. We need to allow the Word and the Spirit to define us. Who's defining you? Who's that new person you've let in your life and their opinion of you is how you're shaping you because you want to stay friends with them? And you stop letting the word define you 
and the Word protects you, and the Spirit protects you. Do you know that in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, and it's true of you, that the Lord said to Israel, and he says it to the church, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you out of all the peoples of the earth, on the face of the earth, to be his treasured possession. Do you know that you belong to him, and that he is uh, the person who loves you the most? So why would you let the opinions of somebody who doesn't love you the most be stronger than the person who does? love you the most. You've got to draw some definition in your life. Jesus said that the world has hated him and it will hate you. But you're in the world but not of the world. He said that in John chapter 17. Now for some of you who are just thinking, oh this is a fun church and they're kind of nice people. When we start drawing boundaries, you see it's not culturally relevant to draw boundaries, isn't it? Because you're supposed to accept everybody the way they are. We want to tell you we love everybody the way you are, but we'd say come as you are, but don't stay as you are. That's what we would say. And actually, you say the same thing. Some of you are managers and trainers at work, and you're very kind to people when they come, but you're saying, well, I need to train you so you can do this. It's no different. We all draw boundaries, and we draw them in love. In fact, Paul said to the Ephesians, so I tell you this and insist in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thinking. Who or what is defining you? Maybe it's time at the start, not maybe, definitely at the start of this year, roadway to restoration number three is draw your boundaries again. And say, you know what, honey? If you want to go out with me, I want you in church with me. There was all the married women saying yes. If you want her, you better be somebody who prays for her, who loves her, who cherishes her. If you want him, he better be a godly man on fire for Jesus. Amen? Amen? It's time to draw some boundaries. Hey, did you come for a nice little tickle your ear sermon today? God loves you so much, loves you so much. Roadway to restoration number four is develop fluid but deep community. The Bible says we'll be restorer of streets that will take you somewhere and dwellings where you can belong and live. You see, there's a real art of being a part of a church in that we have to have strong community. And if you're here today and you just kind of drop in and you're the first out the door and you've done your duty, please don't be that way. Come and join us. Come and be a part of our community. Come and deep put some roots down with us. But understand that community means that it's part of a street where you can be fluid in it, where you can move amongst it. If, if you're over here and your gifts are needed over here, you see it's a street where you can say, hey, let me join you over here. Let, let, me, let me help you over here. We need your gifts. We need you to be a part of our community. You see, community is that which encourages personal progress 
and mission together. Let me say that again. No community should put a lid on your progress so you say that's as far as you're growing in Christ because that's how we can handle you. No, community, real community says don't have a lid, have a platform and have wings so you can fly because real community releases you to everything you can be in Christ. But real community is also fluid so that if you're needed over here, we can't have a community where we say, well, there's this group here, this group here, this group here, this group here. Now this group, you must never talk to that group and this group, you must never be with that group. No, if your gifts are needed over here, let's help everybody grow. Community is deep and fluid because we are to be restorers of streets that take people somewhere and dwellings where people can belong Community that's insular and rigid. That's not the dynamic community that was in the New Testament. Do you remember that the early church, they broke bread together in each other's homes, but the Lord added to their number daily. They met in the temple courts. They met in their homes. They were a dynamic community. We did a lot of this last year, but the dynamic community that God wants us to be is he wants us to be a spiritual house, a spiritual family. Do you remember 1 Peter 2, verse 5? You also, like living stones, not cold, hard, block, bricks, but, you know, imagine it in your mind, pulsating stones of life that feed into each other, that are strong for each other. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house where the spirit moves freely, a holy priesthood where we've drawn some boundaries, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Be a living stone. You see, I'm going to kind of come into land, but real restoration, it can be seen from a a sense of criticism. Have you ever been painting a wall and somebody says, oh, you've missed a spot, and you go, oh, thanks. Although that's kind of helpful, isn't it, if you have missed a spot. And restoration can be seen from, you know, hey, there's something wrong with you and you need it back. But, But the way that God sees restoration is that he begins to speak to you from the, uh, from the sense of, of love, not from criticism. Can I tell you another one of my painting stories? And I'm really glad you're standing on the stage because it's a great illustration what you're wearing today. Because, I don't know, you know, I was in this little church and we didn't have all the money to paint the whole building. It's quite a tall church and so we've... Uh, we, we got a company in to paint the top half. And then we decided as a church family, we had a church family meeting, and we said, we'll paint the bottom half. And on the can, you know, uh, and then Kathy and I, we had to go away to a conference while the painters were painting the top half. And then we were all going to come together and paint the bottom half together. It would be great to work together like that, isn't it? Do you miss those church days or anybody? Anybody fancy some painting? No, no, it's okay. Anyway, Ron's going mad. He's saying, no, please. 
Anyway, that's what we decided to do. And I looked on the can and I thought, oh, that's a great color. It's nice and warm terracotta. It was, it was magnolia. Stop looking around at the decor. Just, you know, and it was magnolia the church was. And we thought, no, no, we're going to make it terracotta. Nice and warm, like Italian vibe. You know, it's going to be great. We got back from the conference and we looked up. It was pink. <laughs> Bright pink. And, and because we decided to do it as a congregation, it's a true story, isn't it, Kathy? We all decided we painted the rest of the church pink. <laughs> I tell you what, Barbie would have felt at home in our church. You know, it's, it's amazing. And you know, it, but, but you know what? Because we all decided to do it together and we all kind of found it funny and it was from the love of each other. You know, there's two old ladies saying, you know what, Pastor? I, I don't know what that voice is, but anyway... <laughs> You know what, Pastor? We've been coming here for years, and this cheers us up every time we come. It's so bright, it's so pink. So we got kind of chairs. They weren't pink chairs, but you know, kind of red chairs that fitted in. And people would come in and go, "Wow, that was incredible!" But because it was done together, and it was a heart of love, it kind of worked, and it was known as the Pink Church. And people would go, you've been to that pink church. They're so lovely down there. And it was all right. I just want to assure you that's never going to happen here. But <laughs> but you know, when you do things from love, even if they're not quite perfect, it works. And it's not... A, I'm not saying that to be sloppy or to make an excuse. But today, he loves you. And he wants to put something back in your life. He wants to speak into this trauma that we've all been going through. I was two of my very dearest friends in COVID, David and Edwin. I miss them. Even today. You've lost some people too. Think about the strikes in our nation and we're just not at peace with ourselves. And I look at the church and I think stop striving. Receive. Be restored. Because we're the hope of the nation. If we go down, they go down. We need to receive. So can I ask you to stand with me? Loving eyes look at you and say, will you be everything that God wants you to be? Have you heard this scripture? In Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Yeah, you know it. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the gods stand in watch in vain. You know, we need to build together. I'm going to call you to a building together. 
I want to say to you, unless the Lord's building your life, unless the Lord's building your house, unless the Lord's restoring you, all your effort, it, it will do something, but it will be eventually in vain. That's not to disavow your talents and your ingenuity and your creativity, but unless the Lord is your source, it all comes to vanity. Lift your hand with me. Come on and say, Lord, I receive from you. I receive from you, Lord. Can I read you something that Paul said to the Corinthians? And maybe I could read a line and you say it after me in a moment. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love of peace will be with you. That's the Bible. Hey, let's speak that over each other. Say this after me. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Come on, change your mood, change your attitude. Come on, tell somebody, rejoice. Tell somebody else this, strive for full restoration. You know what that means? That means open up. Open up. Let him replenish you. It's been hard for you. Come on, tell somebody, strive for full restoration. See, this is the Bible. The Bible says, encourage one another. Come on, tell somebody, be encouraged. Let me tell you this, you're more than you think you are. Be encouraged. Oh, yes, Lord. Be encouraged. It's time. And then he says, be of one mind. Come on, tell somebody, be of one mind. It doesn't mean to say you don't ever have an individual thought, but about the things of God, let's you agree to move on. Be of one mind. Our church will stand and fall on its unity. Live in peace. Come on, tell somebody, live in peace. See, this is just the Bible. And then the Bible says this, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Why don't you tell somebody, the God of love and peace be with you.